0: The following three-part podcast series is intended for institutional investors who are interested in understanding the Bitcoin investment thesis from the perspective of a professional money manager. Your host, Chris Arbuthnot, is a chartered financial analyst and earned his MBA from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. During his career in asset management, Chris has managed both equity mutual fund portfolios as well as multi-asset class hedge fund portfolios. Chris has been profiled in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and Barron's, and has received numerous industry awards including being named a rising star by institutional investor, as well as earning the top overall score across all US-based mutual fund categories in Bloomberg Market's annual rankings. An excellent communicator with a passion for investing, Chris has eliminated the noise around the Bitcoin investment thesis so that institutional investors can focus only on what matters when evaluating Bitcoin as an investable asset class. You won't find another Bitcoin podcast like this.
1: This is part three of the Bitcoin investment thesis podcast series. My name is Chris Arbuthnot and I'm going to explain the Bitcoin mining process. Which I think is important to understand because without understanding the mining process, it's impossible to understand how Bitcoin can be a scarce digital asset, which is key to the investment thesis. And honestly, Bitcoin mining is not that complicated. The media makes it sound like it's a black box because they say it involves solving complex financial equations when in reality, mining is just a random lottery system where the cost to mine is computer equipment and electricity versus trucks, shovels, diesel, et cetera, for gold mining. Or with fiat currency, there is no cost to mine because central bankers can create unlimited amounts of money by just pressing enter on their keyboard. And something, by the way, that central bankers were not able to do when their currencies were backed by gold. Now, before I get into the mining process, I just want to give a little background on the Bitcoin network. It's the largest and most secure network in the world, and it has more processing power than the top 500 supercomputers in the world combined. And that's because it's made up of thousands and thousands of computers located all around the world. And it's also never been hacked. Only the digital wallets, which are used to store Bitcoin, have been hacked. And that's because users didn't take proper precautions to keep their Bitcoin secure. The Bitcoin network is open source, meaning anyone can download it, connect to the network, and begin mining. And I want to be very clear here. There is nothing secret about how it operates. It's a 100% rules-based money system. And so there's no one behind the scenes controlling it, like we have with today's fiat money system, which is controlled by central bankers. And as a payment system, it's fully transparent because you can track who's owned every single Bitcoin since it was mined because it's all recorded on the blockchain. The only thing that's not transparent is the personal identity of the Bitcoin owners, meaning, you know who owns the Bitcoin because they're identified by a number, but you don't necessarily know who's behind the number. And Bitcoin was specifically designed to have this trait so that you can keep your ownership of Bitcoin anonymous if you choose to, just like you can with gold and just like you can with fiat money if you keep it in cash. So switching gears here, Bitcoin mining serves three functions. Function number one is issuing new Bitcoins in accordance with its predetermined supply schedule. Number two, processing transactions between two parties, AKA updating the blockchains. And three, securing the network from bad actors trying to hack the network. Because the only way you can control the Bitcoin network is if you control 51% of the processing power. And the more miners there are in the network, the harder it becomes to get to 51%, which means as the price of Bitcoin goes up and more miners mine Bitcoin, then the network gets more secure, which is a good thing because you want your digital money to be more secure as it becomes more valuable. This is how the mining process works. There are thousands and thousands of computers called nodes connected to the Bitcoin network, some of which... Now, each of these nodes is anonymous and identified only by numbers, thus you have no idea who personally owns the nodes or where they are physically located, which is important because it prevents bad actors from identifying each other to collude and destroy the network, as implausible as that may sound. Why would a node that is controlled by someone who owns Bitcoin want to destroy something that is valuable to them? That would be like gold miners colluding together to destroy the gold market. It makes no sense and it doesn't happen. So at the heart of Bitcoin mining was a cryptographic algorithm called SHA-256. You should just think of SHA-256 as just a very powerful random number generator that always produces an output that is 78 digits long, no matter the combination of inputs, which are numbers and letters. For context, 78 digits is a very big figure because it includes more possible outcomes than atoms on earth. And it doesn't matter if you can put just three numbers in one letter or two million numbers and 10 million letters, the output will still always be 78 digits long. And there's no way to backwards engineer because the outputs are totally uncorrelated to each other. That means you could input 50 million numbers and then just change one of them and the two outputs generated would be completely different. So the bottom line here is that the output from SHA-256 is completely random and can't be predicted. So in order to successfully mine Bitcoin, a miner must repeatedly input a letter and numbers into SHA-256 until it generates an output that falls below the target number. The target number is set automatically by the Bitcoin software and it changes automatically every two weeks depending on the pace of mining so that it can make it easier or harder to generate an output that falls below the target number. The net result being that Bitcoin can control its supply schedule and be a scarce digital asset. To get more specific, the numbers and letters that are inputted into SHA-256 are called a string. And the process by which SHA-256 converts this string into an output is called hashing, with the output called a hash. So just to repeat, the inputs of data that go into SHA-256 are called a string, and the process by which SHA-256 converts that string into an output is called hashing, and the output is called a hash. Now, the string of data has two subcomponents. The first subcomponent is the same for every miner hashing data, and it's the Bitcoin transactions that have been announced to the network since the last time the network was updated, but haven't been confirmed yet, and so the blockchains don't reflect these transactions. Now, everyone connected to the Bitcoin network knows exactly what these transactions are, because all transactions are broadcast to the entire network at the same time. Instead, the network is just waiting for a miner to officially update all the blockchains at once with these transactions. Now, the second component of the string is called a nonce, which is just a random, unique number that each miner creates and then adds to the first subcomponent so that each string is unique. So just to recap, miners are hashing strings of data that include a random number called a nonce, so that each output or each hash is unique. The first miner to hash a string that falls below the target number wins the right to update the network with all the transactions that are waiting to be confirmed since the last time the network was updated. And then once they do, and by the way, this is automatic, it's done instantaneously, the miner receives what's called a block award as compensation for their services. So today the block award is 6.25 Bitcoins, but it's halved every four years. So in May of 2024, When the next halving occurs, the block award will drop to three in an eighth. And then in 2028, that block award will have again. This halving process is why even though the first Bitcoin was mined in the year 2009 and the last Bitcoin won't be mined until the year 2140, which is a long way off, because of this halving process, 90% of Bitcoins have already been mined. Just a quick sidebar. Bitcoin mining consumes a lot of electricity or a lot of energy. That's because generating a hash that falls below the target number takes trillions and trillions of tries before it happens, which requires computer processing power, which in turn consumes energy. Today, the target number is about 22 trillion or 14 digits long compared to the 78 digits that SHA-256 generates. And so to produce a hash that falls below that target number requires miners to keep changing the knots billions of times a second and continue hashing. It's really just a game of chance because it's equivalent to rolling a six on a dice 83 times in a row. And the target number is not static. It changes automatically every 2016 block awards or roughly every two weeks. So that on average there is a winner every 10 minutes, so that on average the network is updated every 10 minutes. This change to the target number is called the difficulty adjustment. And it's necessary because the speed at which bitcoins are mined is a function of how many miners are on the network hashing strings or what you would call the hashing power of the network. And the amount of hashing power is a function of the Bitcoin price. For example, when the Bitcoin price rises and it becomes more profitable to mine Bitcoin, more miners join the network, increasing the hashing power, which speeds up the pace of mining. Conversely, when the price of Bitcoin drops and it becomes less profitable to mine Bitcoin, miners leave the network, reducing the hashing power, which slows the pace of mining. And so without a difficulty adjustment, the pace of mining would fluctuate based on the Bitcoin price instead of following a predetermined supply schedule like it was designed to. This is how the difficulty adjustment works. If over the two-week period prior to the difficulty adjustment kicking in, a block reward is earned every nine minutes instead of every 10 minutes or 10% faster than desired, then the target number is lowered by 10%. To make it harder to mine Bitcoin. Conversely, if over a two week period, a block award is earned every 11 minutes instead of every 10 minutes or 10% slower than desired, then the target number is raised by 10% to make it easier to mine Bitcoin. Just to give an example of the difficulty adjustment in practice, in May, 2021, China shut down all mining, which meant that a lot of hashing power left the network, slowing down the pace of mining. As a result, when the next difficulty adjustment kicked in, it was the largest reduction in history, meaning their target number increased by the largest percentage in history to make it easier to mine Bitcoin because there were fewer miners. Ultimately, the difficulty adjustment is what allows Bitcoin to follow a predetermined supply schedule no matter the price, which is why Bitcoin is the first commodity money in history where a higher price doesn't lead to more supply, just a more secure network that the money is stored on, which is a good thing. This wraps up the discussion on Bitcoin mining. And hopefully, by now, after listening to all three parts, you have a really good understanding about the Bitcoin investment thesis. We're very early on. I really encourage people to dig into it because the process of understanding and learning about Bitcoin is a journey. I call it a journey. solve a puzzle. And so the sooner you start, the better off you are because it takes a while because everything about it is new. It just involves understanding and learning a lot of new topics, but they're not that complicated. On the surface, they look complicated, but when you dig into each individual one, they're really not because most of them just involve studying history. So if you like studying history, well, you're probably going to love figuring out Bitcoin. Thanks again for your time. And don't forget to follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter.